this is normally the moment kind of in the year where when people are out of their season long leagues they start to kind of check out a little bit but we had a, a lot of people waiting for us to go live here so i feel like all is well in the ship chasing community guys i hope so <laughs> it's Greg, been a crazy season I, I i feel like things i feel like we're in good shape overall but it doesn't like feel like it in a way how do you guys feel Gretch? uh i mean it's been the one one of the harder seasons to sort of put our thumb on right like every every one of these leagues is pretty balanced from top to bottom uh Probably part of the reason people are still watching to the show, or watching the show, is because there's just not that many people that are eliminated yet. <laughs> it's not because we do anything good; it's that everyone thinks they're still in it. Um, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's just been an interesting year. Like I, I have some definitely some teams I'm excited about that look like they're going to be in the the big the big dance. I was just doing a little bit of an inventory. Our ship chasing team, the one that was just the three of us, we have several with Coman. Let's not talk about that one. That then. Very good. I went back <laughs> to the draft. Not, yeah. We went like. We went like Judy, Chenault, Boyd, Gallup, like four rounds in a row. Like we we were deciding between two buzz. We were like Gibson or Ridley, Gibson or Ridley. Just like which which played on the Light Money Empire. Our <laughs> yeah. and our, then Kittle was the other guy we talked about, so it wouldn't have. Oh god. Well, I was like, yeah, our three worst teams uh, across our portfolio are the ship stealing team with us three. It's Pat and I's slow draft, the, slow the very man. first that one we did. And burned. It's fucking trash. And Ours then, was slow too and early. You're you're and right. Early? Yeah. And then it's our Matic, our draft with Davis. Those Oops. are our three worst teams. We knew week one that team sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has fucking it, it's so tilting to me. That's our one team with Jonathan Taylor on it. Yeah, that and is. It, it's that fucking is trash. It has it has Jonathan Taylor and Devontae Adams. And it's just that's like, where I'm at this week with AJ Dillon. I we have Dylan on our team, the three of us, and he's on another one of my teams with my other co-managers that is not going anywhere. And I'm like, fuck, man, I love Dylan, but I don't have him anywhere yeah. that's like looking great, like you're saying with Taylor. Someone uh was talking about I forget who came up that someone was talking about like AJ Dillon and how uh you know we were on him, and I still have in my head that show we did with Bime for probably like in july i think it was like the week before we did the big dog draft together and gretch just like gave us the manifesto on aj dylan and we were all like yeah we all like aj dylan but gretch likes him a little more than us and we should like him as much as gretch likes him <laughs> and yeah. then we're all like fuck it let's hammer aj dylan <laughs> and i think we all got gobs of him in best ball, best ball uh, which yeah. redacted but he got expensive in FFPC, and I just feel like we didn't get yeah. as much of him as we wanted. He got up into like the Debo range for a while, and it's like probably why some of those teams that I have Dylan on aren't doing so well is those are the teams that I don't have Debo on. You know, like that's that's a pick that has helped a lot of we, teams. We have some more of them though, don't we, Pete? I'm gonna check now. I think we got. We, we have a, a we spots. have a few shares at AJ, but we only have one Jonathan Taylor. Um, well, we have Taylor in the NFFC team though. True. True which is a um, big part of the reason that team's in first. Yeah, it was like, I, I just did a show with uh, Friedman and he was asking us about like our high stakes year and, and stuff like that. And it was interesting too, like thinking through, you know, the three big league winners at wide receiver, you know, Cooper Cup, uh, Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel, like those are the best like cost adjusted, you know, smashes at wide receiver. And, and we have a bunch of, 
you know, Debo and Jamar Chase. Um, but those were also guys that a lot of people who went heavy running back early were also drafting, yeah. right? Like if you right. started three, you might have drafted Cooper Cup, you might have drafted Chase. And so that's been I feel like our teams are surging right now. We have a lot of teams that are really getting strong now that the kind of, I don't know, um, volatility of the season is kicking in, but uh, also not as great as I think we would have hoped the season would have gone. Agreed. Yeah, I was talking to Davis. Uh, he had me on the take cast this week and um, just kind of pointing out that like even the Dylan thing happened so late, you know, like we get um, this past week, but it's like, you know, you're you're really getting maybe like two, three weeks out of Dylan to make the playoffs in FFPC to where you're actually we're starting him, right? And then Connor came in pretty late. You know, you you maybe didn't even start him, right? Probably didn't start him the week he actually blew up. Then you then you put him in your lineup last week and he does. So Connor hasn't really even helped us yet uh for any zero running back teams. And a lot of the guys were off of waiver wire which helps you as a zero running back drafter, but in FFPC, everyone's very sharp. Everyone's knows that they need to be bidding on those same league winning uh, running backs because they're going to help them fill the flexes, even if they want running back heavy. So Elijah Mitchell, Cordell Patterson, like weren't drafted a ton. And in a way that also kind of hurts or evens the playing field from, you know, however you draft it because it's available to everybody. <laughs> I like this comment from Weston. All my ship chasing inspired zero RV teams started rough, but now I'm absolutely devouring every team alive down the stretch. Like the shy halud sandworm of Arkra. I don't even get this. Arrakis. That's we are talking about, dude. Arrakis. Obviously, you have, not, you have oh, not been walking God. around reading the source material. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, dude, man. They, and that's true, man. Once that worm gets headed your way, you, you don't have a chance. You don't have any chance. I will say, as we, as you sit here and talk about Dylan, you talk about Connor, there are people that have both those guys, and there are people that have teams that are on the outside looking in with those guys. It, it feels like you're done because you, you didn't start hot and all those things. I do think this is the year where there are going to be teams that in these next couple of weeks, and especially if you're, I mean, obviously we're, we're gearing more towards like FFPC here, but uh, and there's only two weeks left there, but if you're in a, a regular league and maybe you have four more weeks until the playoffs or what have you, there, there are going to be teams that surge late is, is sort of the point that I'm making. And it yeah. is one thing, like if, if you have a great start and you get out to an early lead and you're fading the whole year, um, like that's not good, <laughs> but it feels better than what, what kind of happens sometimes with zero RB where you surge late. Like if your best weeks come late, you're like, man, this this season hasn't gone well and all this. I think we still might have some positive, you know, more positive outcomes in ahead of us is sort of what I'm saying. Well, this, the story, I think, of our year is going to be, can we get some of the teams that are strongest to surge enough to get them in the playoffs? Because then yep. we've got hammers in the playoffs, and we're actually set up to, like, make some money in the playoffs where I think there's going to be a lot of teams that sneak into the playoffs that had Derrick Henry. Like, he was so good. He was so good early that he's going to put teams in the playoffs, but then it's, you know, can they hold on? And it's such a weird year because like the kind of the thesis of zero running back to some extent is like, you don't want to be that team that's holding on when you get into the playoffs because you're not actually going to win the league. You want to be the team that surges in, but the dynamic of the way, like Henry actually played a long time and he was so good that like, 
you almost right now still rather be that team than the team surging because the team surging, it's like, no, the door's going to shut on a lot of those teams. They're not going to get in the playoffs at all. You still have to make the playoffs. I just think that this year is going to be one of those years where we kind of like all like fight to a draw. And then we like in the off season, we're all going to have the zero running back. People are going to have all the, the same arguments because we got Connor, we got Dylan, we got a ton of waiver wire, probably one of the best years for waiver wire pickups ever. We've got Ramondre down the stretch now, like, you know, it's on and on and on. And then you also have like, you know, Henry goes down. There's not really any one running back who's just like emerged just the had to have him guy. Christian McCaffrey struggled with injuries. Camara wasn't what we hoped. So like the, the argument for zero running back kind of came through, but it came through in such a way that you're maybe glad you didn't go zero running back. And so we're all just going to well, have the same arguments all over again. And I think yeah. one of the really key points there, because one of the things that we always say is you take enough receivers because you don't know necessarily who's going to hit, but you, you want the receivers in the you know first 10 rounds because that's where the elites are. That's where the guys that can be really great are. And that's proven true, but it has been a really weird year where a lot of the elites, the first, second round receivers particularly, where other people were taking running backs, and even we were taking running backs in some leagues, but – First, second, even third round. I mean, like Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, none of these guys have had good years. Um, and you go up higher. Jefferson has had one Hopkins, of the – Hopkins. Hopkins definitely. Ridley, DK. Jefferson's had one of the biggest, like, near misses years. He could be the wide receiver one right now, honestly. He's had so many near misses on big plays. But, yeah, Diggs. I mean, there's so many guys up there that have Even Adams hit. has been a little bit less, yeah. you know. Yes. He's five. I'm looking at the, the leaderboard right now. Cup, Debo, and Chase are three of the top four receivers. They're all – mid-round guys you didn't have to really go full zero rb to get yeah. those guys you could have done something more traditional it, that's what i mean you could do whatever you want in round one through three right well and that's what in in debo is like he was one of the guys that was our last wide receiver we would take in drafts like he was the cutoff of like mm -hmm. all right we took six of seven like debo's our last guy and then it like the cliff really happens there and you know like you said it I wonder, Pat, the dynamic you were describing as far as this year of like this push and pull of like the early running back teams got off to faster starts, but they are going to, they're fading and crashing with injuries. The zero RB teams, you know, got off to a little bit slower starts, but are surging now. And if, if this season, the story of this season might be like, did you get Cooper Cup? Did you get Debo yeah. Samuel? Like, did you just pick? the right player pick the right those, guys those are the guys that's the dominant strategy of this year it right but then it's a strategy that's not a strategy it's not it's a not strategy. a strategy and if you step back and you think about what that actually means what that actually means is essentially that our strategy was right <laughs> like i'm sorry but like i know that that comes is arrogant but like the idea of our entire strategy is you draft enough receivers because you know that these players are going to be very valuable someone in this range right it, it, it's not a guarantee that we have the ADP exactly right. A lot of it is uncertainty. We know there's going to be misses. That's why we have so much redundancy built in. There's two two ways to look at this. Draft the best players, which could mean any position or any player at any position, or do what we do, which is get really, really heavy at receiver, and especially in those rounds, right? That's the running back dead zone. That's the round we're taking receivers, and we do have a lot of these guys. We didn't take as much cup as we probably should have. We have a lot of chase, ton of Debo, and – I mean, that's that's the biggest reason like my a lot of my rosters are still doing very well is that I took enough receivers that it succeeded. And the idea is not that this is the perfect strategy or anything. It's that this this is going to work more often than not. Right. Like we, we got the wide receiver. Yeah, although, and it paid off. With perfect knowledge of like, well, let's say like semi you have some knowledge of how the season's going to go. 
you'd you'd probably go RBRB. Yeah. Draft yeah, a sure. bunch of receivers like through round seven or eight, and then just you know hammer RB. You, you maybe you'd go Kelsey early, but but no other tight ends, and just punt tight end too. So, like, you Which, know, I think since the not going running backs talk- in the dead zone is important, but you but. The argument for going wide receiver in round one and two didn't get strengthened by this season. No, but one of the things we talked about in the offseason when we did all our draft shows was that, I mean, I know Sean and I talked a ton on, on stealing bananas, and Sean specifically would say that in many ways is, uh, you know, ideologically more similar to zero RB, that, you know, running back, running right. back with hammering receiver than someone who does zero RB but only goes like three receivers and then starts hitting running back in round yeah, four. Yeah. That's not zero RB, and that's nothing – so, like, what you just described, I mean, we did stuff like that. We went running back tight end and then hammered receiver. I mean, that's something you guys love to do in the FFPCs. Like, yeah, we like to do it. Dominant. And I yeah. was going to say, of all the, like, you know, crises of, of faith or, you know, rethinking stuff, like, I I have basically no regrets, um, except I'm really starting to rethink the elite tight end strategy. Um, part of this element, just because – all of the knocks against it are, you know, uh, tight ends are just as prone to a, a lot of these yeah. injury rates as the running backs. The scoring is extremely volatile. And when you look back at the top tight ends this year, you had, you know, Travis Kelsey getting older. You had Darren Waller, which we've already seen like a series of, uh, of like kind of spiked volatile production from him. You had Kyle Pitts, who was a rookie. There was lots of uncertainty. You had George Kittle, who didn't have a stellar injury record. And I don't want to be in the, you know, injury prediction business, but I do think the same criticisms we levy at running backs, um, I think is, is decently, um, you know, fair to levy against tight ends as well. And I, I do think that might be where we made some mistakes of forcing the early tight ends a lot this year. I don't, I don't really agree with the, I think the thing with the early tight end strategy is it's just going to come down to like three guys. And, you know, it's like, did, and, and in that sense, it's going to be very volatile year to year because it's really, it's not like the early round running back strategy. There's so many early round running backs where it really just comes down to did Kelsey get too old? Did Kittle stay healthy? You know, did the Waller thing finally turn into a mirage? And it's, like in, in in years past, it's been the same thing. Like Gronk, can Gronk finally stay healthy this year? If Gronk stays healthy, he absolutely crushes win rates. If he gets hurt, he crushes you. So I think that's the deal that you make with early round tight end. And the reason that I'm more comfortable making it in some ways than the early round running back is that when you hit on that, especially in tight end premium, no one can catch you now. Like you're just you're in you have such an advantage in a way where like hitting on Jonathan Taylor or hitting on, you know, Anaji Harris really helps you, but I don't think it's as powerful as when you have like Kelsey last year. What do you think, Gretch? I, I mean, I, th- I, I kind of like, I mean, I think the way it played out, certainly the way that you said it, Pete makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think Pat also made really good points as well that we have, you know, such a small sample, but, I know one thing I was saying in August, certainly, and I hadn't thought of this until you kind of said this, but one thing I said a lot in August when you made the comparison of running backs was that tight ends are a lot like running backs. There are similar injury risks. But if your tight end stays healthy, he's going to give you a positional advantage was sort of the point I kept making. We don't have to worry about them also being good, but we do have to worry about that apparently. I mean, that's essentially how it played out. Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller have not given us a positional advantage. Kittle got hurt, which wasn't great either, but 
Waller and Kelsey have been healthy and not been that great. I mean, Kelsey seems like he's coming on and, and was playing through a little bit of an injury. Waller's a tough one, man. Like the volume's been there. The efficiency is cratered. Catch rate's way down. Yards per target way down. All that stuff is down. Even though he has seven plus targets in all but one game, uh, his his target rate is, is trending right towards where he was last year. Like he's going to wind up with plenty of targets, but he's just going to have a worse year. He only has two touchdowns, had a TD called back by penalty last week. I think he's like a buy low. In, like in any kind of like if you're in a league where you can make trades any kind of sense of like that like it's gonna get better for Waller there's not a lot there that I mean when I watch him he looks the same too I mean I, do you guys have an explanation for Waller I keep getting asked about it well remember last year the Jets game and Leone's talked about this how like where he blew up. they were projecting him yeah and and Leone was saying like they were projecting Waller like week after week after week they were over projecting Waller kept coming in lower than the projection and the the temptation was to lower the projection but like he was looking at all the target stuff and it's like he should be scoring more points. And then finally in that Jets game, he just like absolutely smashed their projection. And then to that point, like post Jets game, they had under projected him for the season. So it is like one of these (laughs) things. Like, I think we just kind of saw it with Diggs a little bit. Like Diggs just had like the, when the regression comes and that's the thing, like with all this like regression stuff, it's like when you're looking at the numbers, you're like, Oh, this guy's like, uh, a little low, like he should, you know, he's his yards per target's probably like 2.5 too low. So, like, you know, in a couple weeks, he'll have he'll have one that kind of evens him out. And then in a couple weeks, instead, he has like a 20 yards per target game and he just goes bananas and absolutely crushes things and swings things the other way, where he has a super hot stretch like Devonta yeah. Smith's had over the last couple weeks. And now people are like, oh my God, can this keep up? And it's like, no, this no. can't keep up either. Yeah. <laughs> And Waller, to your point, after the Jets game, three of his other four hundred yard games came in. There's only four games after the Jets game, so he closed the season with four hundred yard games in his final five. He only had one to that point in the season. I mean, we might get a similar run towards the end of the year, basically. Yeah, we totally could. We totally could. And then the season long stuff, we'll get that'll bury it. We'll we'll slowly forget that this is the way it played out. We'll talk about his points per game. We'll project him for more points per game than someone else. Then we'll be like, "How you're an idiot if you don't? If, how could you take Pitts over Dalen Roller? Dalen Roller's target share was so much higher." And we'll just forget that any of this nuance occurred. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, just because we do have uh, 25 minutes here until waivers lock. I do really enjoy the macro discussion. That's actually my preferred discussions to have. But um, let's let's get into a little bit of you know week specific stuff. I think this is a interesting week as far as you know playoff push. We have you know lots of ramifications coming up. Um, also with players being dropped, not being eligible to be picked up by any teams. I think that makes another kind of added wrinkle. And uh, I saw someone in the chat ask this. We were talking about this in our private uh, NFC team chat. The ship chasing chat was talking about it. Everyone's starting to wonder what we do with fucking Trey Lance, who has been the second QB, the third QB on a lot of our benches. The 49ers schedule is still really good. This offense is still really good. Like the thesis is still there. Are we losing faith in the Trey Lance thing happening this year? Where are you guys at on him still being a stash versus moving on? I got asked this in my, uh, my subscribe. I had the discord and, and uh, office hours there. And I wrote a lot of words on it today, but uh, I mean, I, I, I look like Jimmy G having the best game of the year for him in a huge win against a divisional team on prime time. 
makes it tougher to see, you know, especially for like that came at the worst time for this like Lance needs to play charge that we've been pushing. At the same time, he threw 19 passes, right? Like they just ran the ball the entire game. Like he 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 didn't help them win. We know that he's limited. We know that he's a system QB. Uh, I still very much think that Lance would they'd be better off with Lance because he's dynamic and he can play. You know, he can do things that, especially if they get down in games, can help them win. But also Shanahan, like, basically doesn't have any incentive to play him at this point. If he plays him now and he succeeds, then he looks dumb. If he plays him now and he fails, he loses that, like, hey, wait, give us, you know, don't don't turn up any hot seat on us or anything. you got to give us 2022 when we can actually play Trey Lance, right? Like, he doesn't want to play Lance and have that pick look bad after this year's already gone bad and people are starting to question whether – Kyle Shanahan's a good coach, which is what has been happening a little bit. So there's really no good outcome for him to put Lance in at this point. At the same time, like, so that might, like, to me, I was trying to estimate it. I would say maybe it's like 65-35, 75-25 maybe even, that we're going to wind up just having burnt a roster spot. Like, that's sort of what it feels like. I, I do think we're dogs now to see him play at a time that matters. At the same time, I still very much think if he does play, he's an immediate top 10 quarterback. He's got the rushing ability and all those things. And so I still think he's worth holding. Or if you're going to cut him, you need to cut him right before a waivers lock because you don't want to wind up facing him, in, you know, in the in the playoffs of your league. Yeah, the Forty Nineers have. Oh, good, good. I was just going to say no. I want to set you up, but like because I, I completely agree with what Ben said. And so now we're weighing like what is the opportunity cost of that roster spot because you're probably using it on a running back who has a equally binary outcome of helping you succeed in the uh, an equally you know binary probability of 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 that hitting so like how do you view him versus a bench rb stash because that's ultimately what we're deciding yeah and i think the thing with lance is is the upside component um cobra kai saying cut for cam newton which like you know fair enough you're kind of getting a similar profile out of cam newton there's some upside there uh, i think that's that'd be fine but i think the upside with lance is higher. I mean, they were using him in like every, every dream we had for how they might use this guy. It's kind of a pure rusher. Um, you know, like a true dual threat. I mean, looks like that's their plan for him. Uh, we just need a little bit more polish and a little bit more trust from them. They've got five losses, right? So the Rams game really was bad for us because if they had lost that game, now they're three and six to Ben's point about like, kind of thinking through the real world scenarios on this, if we just get them, you know, like a couple more losses here, then at that point, why are you playing Jimmy? Like at, at that point, like show us Lance, I think is the call from the, the fan base, you know, and you're Fix sort of like your hiding site, this. show us Lance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but, but I the, don't know. I mean, that might not happen now until deep into the playoffs that they actually feel like they need deep into the, the fantasy playoffs. I mean, so there's two things about that, and I agree, but there's two things about that. One, we did already see him start once, and he didn't look ready from a passing standpoint, which right. kind of, I think, provides Shanahan some cover. And then two, Shanahan doesn't give a shit about draft capital. Like, we just saw him bury Sermon. We saw him bury IU. I don't buy this. I don't buy this take. Okay. Why not? I mean, okay, okay. So part of it comes from the idea that, like, you know, he drafted Joe Williams in the third or fourth round and immediately he's like, whatever. And then he drafts Trey Sermon in the third round and immediately plays Elijah Mitchell over him. Drafting a running back in the third round and then drafting a running back in the sixth round and then 
you end up a couple months later preferring the guy in the sixth round, that doesn't mean that you don't care about draft capital. It means that you're sharp and you understand how running back works and this guy's outplaying this guy. Whatever. Uh, Who cares? But, like It's, but it's different about- than saying that the number three overall pick, eh, not feeling it in November, the year that you selected him. And by the way, you selected him after trading up. You bet the whole franchise on this guy. You and your GM just like got together and were like, let's bet our jobs on this guy. And then in November, you're like, I don't know. Like, we'll we'll always get another first round pick. Like, and the Ayuk stuff, I think to some extent that's motivational. He's out on the field now as well. And also Debo Samuel's a, a star. So the fact that he's not outproducing Debo Samuel, we didn't know Debo was this good. So I think he's a bit of an asshole. He's definitely willing to mess around with early draft picks the way other coaches aren't. But like but you got to say he's he doesn't care about on. he doesn't care about perception. I mean that's the way I would frame it. He doesn't like he did not care about perception when it came to Ayuk. Ayuk was good last year and he was like fuck it, I'm going to treat him like a rookie. Right. I and I agree with that yeah. too because we we talk a lot about teams trying to save face on early round draft picks. Like like with the Ayuk stuff, making him a healthy scratch like first round pick, he doesn't give a fuck. He's like if he's in his doghouse, he's in his fucking doghouse. Like he, yeah. he does not give a shit once they're yeah. on the team. Yeah, although, like, you know, the Buccaneers draft Keyshawn Vaughn. They immediately end up burying him. And I I don't think that – I think Keyshawn Vaughn was was a bust. And they they realized it quickly, and they moved on. Like, I don't think that – I just – I think the sermon component of this has nothing to do with – Wait, 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 wait. The logical endpoint of that is that Ronald Jones is a bust. That's the logical endpoint of what you just said. Well, wait, why is that the logical endpoint? Well, he got buried – he got buried this year, sure. But you're, but I don't actually think Ronald Jones is a very similar case to Sermon because sure maybe he it, already was good yeah. for a while yeah right he got it he got his chance then they decide to move on they bring in Fournette but the but the point with I mean they bring in Fournette partly because they're like eh maybe this Jones guy doesn't have it and also we're pretty sure the Vaughn guy doesn't have it so let's bring in someone that we that we feel better about at least at least we feel like can compete that's like a good team building move I think right like. I don't I don't I don't think the sermon part of this has anything to do with the Lance part. The fact that especially in the Shanahan system, he's taken multiple stabs on not ex- I mean he's not a day 3 guy, but it's not he wasn't like an early second round. This isn't Javante Williams who got buried. This is Trey Sermon in the third round. It yeah. should be clear. I don't think Ron Jones is a bust. He's still he's still better than Leonard Fournette. Let's just be honest. Like I'm not even going to debate that. Let's um. Oh, maybe he'll get one more chance. Maybe it's playoff playoff Ronnie. Maybe we'll get the next Ronnie. team. We're gonna. I mean, we're gonna be drafting him next year on some new team. Oh yeah. Let's let's talk about some week uh, eleven specific waiver wire decisions. We might have a special guest joining us in a little bit, but we have seventeen minutes to lock. I am frothing at the at my mouth to reveal our bids here. <laughs> frothing uh, at your mouth. <laughs> Um, what I, this was a pretty bad week on the waiver wire. Like there was no, you know, absolute smash picks. I did see Deonta Foreman floating around in some of our leagues. Was, is there anything else that's interesting to you guys, uh, this week as far as waivers? There's a couple like stash guys. Uh, Patrick Taylor is a stash guy. Um, John Bates is a stash guy. If you need a tight end this week, because, he might be the starting tight end for Washington this Sunday. Yeah. So there's some, uh, there's some, 
cheap stuff like that. Gallman, Gallman is the best take a peek we've had on a Thursday night, I think, all year. We're, yeah, we're that's probably going to actually get to see him play a little, and then yeah. you can cut him if not, or if Patterson talk, plays. Talk to talk to us about uh, about Gallman. Everyone knows Patterson's questionable, but like, what what's the selling point on Gallman? Well, yeah, I mean, earlier in the year, I was talking about him because you kind of want to look at those depth backs in offenses that are generating a lot of high value touches, like from a team perspective. Uh, they've been generating fewer lately in part because Matt Ryan early in the year looked like he had like this Roethlisberger-ian, I think is the word that I made up for uh, signals, dead arm. You know, he wasn't getting the ball down the field. He started to throw more vertical since like the first couple of weeks, Matt Ryan. Um, so there's been some fewer running back touches or, or you know, high value touches. The ones that have been there, a lot have been Patterson generated. He's lining up at receiver like he's not even playing running back. So I'm a little bit less optimistic in that sense. But at the same time, like if Patterson misses time, if he's out, Gallman's going to probably get some snaps. Mike Davis has not looked good. This is not a team that has playmakers. If he makes some plays early in the game, especially, there's no reason they wouldn't just ride him the same way they rode Patterson from week one because they need guys, They need someone to be you know, a, a producer in this offense, basically. And so if he's able to be more effective than Mike Davis pretty quickly, I, I think he could actually wind up this week having more touches than Mike Davis pretty pretty darn quickly uh it's just a matter of patterson plays because it sounds like he might actually play. yeah it's a game time decision pat limited what, i feel both, like both days of practice just, this week i was gonna say with the thursday night stuff i know another decision we have in a decent amount of our leagues is how to handle ramondre who uh we should take a, a little victory lap here looked absolutely awesome uh this past week now we have damian harris back he is going to suit up and play tomorrow night a lot of people have tough decisions with Ramondre as their RB2 of whether to play him in this spot, whether to let him ride. What's your lean right now if you do have kind of fringe options in his range? Yeah, it's tough because um, like the one thing Ramondre isn't showing well in is is breakaway rushing. Um, like he he has a he's ahead of Harrison NFL Next Gen success rate. He's ahead way ahead in yards per route run. He's running back three in yards per route run. Uh, he's been awesome and elusive rating, but he's not like a home run hitter type. I mean, he had a four, six, three forty. So he's a big back. Like that's not going to be who he is, but Harris has had a nice breakaway runs this year. So I, it's like, if that's what the Patriots are looking for, you know, if that's what they prefer in kind of the early down rusher, then we could pretty easily see Harris, take back over as the early down guy. And then they probably still work in Ramondre in, you know, a receiving rotational uh, rusher role, but is Bolden involved there. Right. So there's like definitely a clear path to failure with him. I'm breaking ties towards playing him because you have the versatility, which has been the whole reason I was so attracted to him as a prospect. You know, you've got the elusive rating plus the yards per route run plus size like there's multiple ways that this guy can get involved but you know multiple ways the coaches can start to get excited yeah, about you, using you basically him. said he's very similar to Najee Harris as a player and he kind of looked it yeah yeah you're it's yeah it's a it's discount Najee so I don't know that um I I don't know how that's going to work out but I think because you have a couple outs like he can be in kind of a big James White role he can split the early down stuff with Harris and get a few more targets on early downs, even if Brandon Bolden's involved. Like, you've got multiple paths, so... You you also have the path of, we've seen, 
you know, what was it? Was it the game against the Jets where all three running backs got there? Like they're mm-hmm. playing the fucking Falcons on a short right. week. Like yeah. you could see multiple Pats running backs. And they've been the very run heavy over the last three games, heavily in the negative in terms of pass rate over expectation, uh, playing good football, four game winning streak. The first game of that winning streak, they were more pass heavy, but the last three very much establishing the run. I think there's going to be enough carries for even if Harris comes back and is the lead for Harris to get like 15 plus and Ramondre to get 10. And then like Pat, you've been saying he's like the Rex Burkhead role. Like he's get this yeah. is the type of game where the Rex Burkhead role can get you 10 rushes and two, three catches. And then if, if Bolden misses anything, I think he slides into more routes. Like you said, if Harris misses anything, the big thing we saw this week was Ramondre did eat up the green zone work, did get the high value touches from the, you know, the, the rushing high value touches and had those two, you know, short yards touchdowns. He got all four of their green zone touches. So if Harris is for whatever reason, um, you know, he's going to be good to go. But if he, if he were to miss time again in the future, there's two paths now for Stevenson to gain value. Like you said, I mean, there's just multiple ways, both ways. And I'll, I'll toss out another way. It's just like, we were talking about Shanahan being, you know, kind of whimsical with his stuff. I mean, Bill Belichick, like he he has no allegiances to no one. Like if if he thinks that Ramondre is his best back and he sees a dusty you know carry from Damian Harris and pulls the plug, like that shit can happen. Like if Ramondre had twenty carries and you know Damian Harris had five on Thursday, none of us would be shocked. Like that's also in the range of outcomes. Yeah, and that is in the range of outcome. Go ahead, Pat. No, no, I was just agreeing. Yeah, you, you get you get um. Oh, what the fuck was I gonna say? <laughs> I, we're I just gonna... we're doing a Ramondre circle jerk right now. Did yeah, you have no, but I, I, I had a relevant thing to add, and now I one of those just complete blank blank jobs. Oh, earlier in the year he was a rookie, and so he kind of got benched. He had a fumble, right? I think, and, and Harris had a fumble in the same game, but Harris didn't really get benched. But Ramondre did. Was inactive the next week. Is that right? Um. Ramondre had a, a fumble, but then JJ Taylor had a fumble, I think. But then Ramondre, Ramondre played and didn't have a fumble, and then he was inactive. Pat is, his mouth isn't moving when he's talking. It's so confusing. Are you seeing this too, Pete? Yeah, the he's on delay with his audio and video here. It's just like so I catch I catch up in big spurts. You can yeah. see like the history of me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean now Ramondre has established more. He worked his way back. Obviously, Belichick saw. Like, you know, to our point about Sermon and stuff, Belichick is sort of that way. He will bury a dude if he doesn't think he's doing the stuff in practice. Ramondre clearly was, got more chances. They made him inactive, played him again. Made him inactive again, played him again. Worked his way into a bigger role. Damon Harris is out, turned the whole offense over to him last week, right? They only threw 23 times with Mac Jones. I think Hoyer threw like three more after that. 20 carries for Ramondre Stevenson, rookie. You don't see that a lot with Belichick, turning it over to a rookie like that. Clearly he likes Stevenson. Uh, yeah. The other, and so, yeah, I mean, I think we're at a, sort of across the Rubicon was, was the point that we are now at a point where he's been uh, efficient. <laughs> he's, he's got the opportunity. He's, you know, very clearly a part of the offense. Now, even if he has a fumble or something, I don't think he gets doghoused right away. Hopefully, hopefully. Well, we'll don't, see. Yeah, but, knock on wood. Also, he had yeah. that long TD run in the preseason. You made that comment about him not necessarily being explosive. To me, he looks a little bit like one of those guys who, when I watch him, like like a Dalvin Cook or somebody who didn't run a great forty, but clearly has on field explosiveness, right? I Stevenson. know. I want. I know. I'm excited about that too. I just want to try to be objective. 
<laughs> he's not popping in the breakaway percentage. The moment he has enough long runs to pop in breakaway percentage, you better believe I'm going to be talking about the complete back Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think – what are the odds? I Okay, you guys can explain after, but I want a number. What percentage do you assign to the probability that Mac Jones goes down as the best quarterback in this draft class? The best real life quarterback in this draft class? Is he the is is it because he's the best or is it because perception is he's the best? Important. Well, so by EPA per play and completion percentage over expected. Remember when Mac I asked Jones. for just a number and then said you could explain? Can we- <laughs> I want to, I just want to know the question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being interested in this topic and talking about it. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mac Jones had the best week in EPA per play, which is an efficiency metric that's actually predictive of any quarterback all season last week. And he had the highest CPOE of any quarterback all season. He was off the charts efficient last week. Now, I mean, it's like kind of amazing ideal conditions. They're clearly limiting him. You know they're not asking him to do a ton, so you know they're setting him up to be to be very efficient. But you set up a lot of quarterbacks to be very efficient, and they're not. So I think he's like really flashing as kind of an ideal version of what you were hoping he might be, which is like basically Matt Ryan. Like he he might be Matt Ryan. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence looks like really bad. It's so bad, man. It it, it looks like full blown like bust territory for Lawrence. To be honest, like that's where we're at. Like I'm not saying he is a bust, but like it's like time to start asking the question if like this guy might be a bust. Like that's how bad his rookie season has been. Zach Wilson, I think we can already start to think he probably is a bust. Trey Lance didn't show much as a passer. He's, I mean, for fantasy purposes, like he can be Jalen Hurts. And and I was just gonna say that. That's that's is that the ceiling for Lance? Like we're hoping for Hertz. Yeah, we're hoping for Hertz in a Shanahan system. Like that sounds yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. So that's why I'm still extremely excited about Lance. Like people, you know, I was saying like he's clearly the number one quarterback in dynasty from this class, and people did not like that take. But to me, like who who cares if he's not going to be this incredibly polished passer? Eventually, they're going to have to start him. They're just going to have to. They drafted him third overall and they traded up for him. Like, it's, I mean, I it's happening, guys. The the other guy that. Lance, and this is probably just because he played in San Fran, but like he really does remind me of Colin Kaepernick a little bit. Yeah, like, me Colin too. Colin Kaepernick went to a Super Bowl. Like, like he was yeah. a good quarterback, even though people always said he wasn't that good of a passer and all this. But he's got a big arm like Kaepernick. You know, he's mobile. He's, I don't know, competitive. Kaepernick was always very competitive when he played. Um, anyway, <laughs> this is a great Lance comment by Hassan. I, I love the comp. Uh, I just want to pull out this comment by Hassan Pete. Uh, <laughs> this one? <laughs> No, no, no. Okay. The Trevor Lawrence one. Oh, here we go. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just like Andrew <laughs> Locke retired. But you didn't even say Justin Fields. I wanted to hear where you're going to go with Justin Fields. Well, yeah, no. Well, t- I just said the Kaepernick thing I love because people also forget because they remember him kind of at the end of his career when he wasn't really like he had lost a bunch of muscle. He's like skinny Kaepernick. Like he used to actually be like a really awesome rushing quarterback plus plus the passing. So you're getting, I think, uh, some fantasy ceiling there, even with the Kaepernick comp, which people might not love. Uh, Justin Fields, to me, is like, you like to gamble? If you like to gamble, get yourself some Justin Fields because what what's going to happen this offseason, most likely they're going to fire, fire uh, Nagy. 
if they hire Dayball, right? If they hire um, Davis mentioned Greg Roman, which would be pretty interesting. I don't think they would, but maybe they hire a defensive guy and they bring in Roman as the offensive coordinator. Um, if they if they hire like someone like Dayball, though, he's immediately we're going to be so excited. He's going to be the, the number one quarterback in the class. I think he has looked better as a passer than Lance. And if we're going to get rushing with like some, some intelligent passing design around that, like, Oh my God. But if they hire some like defensive coordinator, like get the locker room in shape, like then like an old Tom Coughlin, Matt Patricia type dude, like we're done. Like we're not, we don't, we're not going to have any hope for fields for the next like three, four seasons. And so I think your your outcomes are tilted to the upside and you hit you could hit the lottery with with the coaching hire. But I'd honestly rather have Lance than Fields right now. But Fields, I would much rather have than Lawrence. I was going to say, yeah, I feel like Fields has the widest range of outcomes of these guys right now. I think probably Lawrence does. Really? I feel like I mean, his if band is you're talking narrow. about him already being a bust, and he, I think he still has plenty of upside. We've seen like Peyton Manning was a bust this rookie year. Like I know it's a really long time ago, but rookie quarterbacks can be bad and then be good after that. I don't think he's a, a bust yet at all. I, I don't think he's a bust yet either. But don't you think Justin Fields' 99th percentile outcome is far more exciting than Lawrence's? Yes. At the upside. The 99th, like for fantasy, upper- yeah, but like for NFL, Lawrence, like profiles is i mean yeah probably probably for for fields yeah it just uh, I mean, also I mean, they have both to... have awful coaches awful systems it, it fucking yeah. blows it yeah. but urban urban's not getting fired in this offseason they're good they're giving re- one more year we need to get him canceled not fired i mean yeah that's our what happened there where were you on that one pete <laughs> <laughs> you're the influencer <laughs> uh people want me to release the bids should i tell everyone a deontay foreman bid I added a one dollar Patrick Taylor bid in uh, Piss Boys behind Wayne Gallman. I was gonna say I I uh, I messed up. I didn't have many uh, Patrick Taylor bids in my first sweep through. Oh, one guy you were asking about random names. I'll throw out a random name. Uh, Justin Jackson is a guy that I think is a fun one. To oh yeah, tell now. tell us about Justin Jackson. I saw you oh, mention that. Six fifty nine. You got to give a bid. We'll just tell him after seven. Anyone who can a, type his name in fast enough. We have a hundred twenty one dollar Deontay Foreman bid somewhere. Whoa. <laughs> God. That's a that's the one we need. What is, what's going on? There's a bunch of teams that like are dead, and we're just putting in bids. Like that's like a live team where we actually need Foreman, dude. What the fuck? We have so every many time, to choose from. Every time, every time, Pat is like, "What the fuck?" The people like, there would be a way to this bit to like honor the bit that you've created, but like not fuck us. And then every time you fuck. <laughs> If you want Deontay Foreman, go on. Oh, God. And you do it right as it hits 959. It's still not paying. What are the odds that the 11 other owners in this specific league are upping their bid to 122 right now? It's already happened like several times. Chris at one point was like, well, if only only we had Stevenson. And you're like, what? We don't have Stevenson on this team. And he's like, yeah, because this is the one where you gave away our Stevenson bid. Crack Rock, is it bad if I give people our exact bids or is that giving back to the community? It's 10 p.m. You can give the exact bids. It wasn't when he no. gave the bids. <laughs> Prior to 10 p.m. is the point. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think there's so many teams that are out of it that even, you know, most 
who was in our league? Frank, who watches it or something like was his name Frank? More cowbell, yeah. Yeah, yeah more cowbell. So he's out of it. So if he's watching, it doesn't matter. That's right. And I know Cocktails and Dreams isn't uh, watching. So you don't think Chad Schroeder's a big ship chasing fan? Uh, I don't know. He's just a fan of himself, but um, but he's the one coming up our tail. Uh, we're, we're looking, we're looking pretty good. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't even look because they didn't add FFPC is slow. So we, we shot up to, oh, cocktails and dreams is six and four. Oh, we got a hundred point lead on him. So we're good. Yeah. Do you want to tell him to suck us? No, I, I, cocktails uh, is I, I don't mind. He's he's fine. He was just uh, he was defending Hubbard one time, and uh, I just went off on him. Just and uh, the you know he blocked me, of course. <laughs> uh, Craig, right? I mean, we really we didn't have any foreplay here. How how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm just, just firing, just like spraying <laughs> bullets everywhere. <laughs> No, I, I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I, I got a wedding for my nephew this weekend in Philly, so I'm going to get some cheesesteaks. I'm pumped about that. Gonna, I don't know if Pat's is your choice, but I'm definitely going to be hitting Pat's. And, uh, you know, be doing a couple uh, – the, the walrus. I just hit up a couple walrus hits, so uh, <laughs> that, that was nice. And, Sounds nice. And, uh my uh, the dispensary is doing great. We're, we just opened the little cafe in there now, so you can come in and uh, have your cup of coffee. And uh, later that night, it turns into a little drinking establishment. And uh, nice. heading up to the Berkshire soon to uh, check it out. Wait, crack rock. Let me know when this is. I I mean, I'll fucking meet you at this. Uh, I mean, you tell me I can go get a espresso and then smoke a joint, and then I can go have a what, what what kind of drinks do you have at night at this place? No, we got a liquor license, so we got we a full did? liquor license. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just the uh, you know you just spend the whole day there, and then my my next thing is to do a like uh, like an Airbnb for uh, you know uh, for cannabis enthusiasts where we're going to open up a. Anyone, like, anyone getting an Airbnb is a cannabis enthusiast, Craig. Right? <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> no, this is going to be especially like you could, you could go, you could go to Berkshire's for the weekend and be like, I want this bong, I want this weed, I want this, and it'll all be there for you when you arrive, and then whatever you want can be brought to you right from the shop. I love it. Yeah. So, and then everything's going to be new, and it's like a cannabis uh, hotel, so to speak. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, this is this is people want this. They want to, um, you know, they want to go on vacation, have a little, you know. In Colorado, they have these uh, all around, but we're going to do it on the Berkshires because the Berkshires is so sweet. Uh, you know, you go to Tanglewood. Uh, there's so many great restaurants in Lenox. You know, really top notch. They got some really good restaurants. I mean, some of the chefs in New York all go up there to Lenox and open up uh, restaurants. So it's going to be like a travel destination. And, and of course, uh, you know, uh, we're gonna. You know, if you need the 
whatever, you know, binger that you need, if you need the double barrel or you need, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever you want, it's gonna be brand new, it's there, and then you can just leave and then we just give it to, uh, you know, the manager to keep. Uh, yeah, well, keep, keep me posted. I need my official invitation. Uh, to co- I went to the Berkshires a couple summers ago. I, I enjoyed it, um, but I, I didn't get hella lifted when I was out there and, and I need to. Yeah, the Berkshires are great. It's like undiscovered country up there. It's God's country. It's just, it's beautiful up there. And especially even in the wintertime, it's, it's great because of the, uh, they have some killer restaurants. Uh, and then you add the cannabis in there and the restaurants just become even better. Uh, crack, crack, let's get this back on track. Uh, yeah. What's, what's going on, uh, with your fantasy season? What's going on with these Twitter spaces you're doing? What what's going on? Yeah, I had uh, I had Pat's good buddy uh, Daigle on, and we did a, a spaces, and uh, we we actually uh, gave some really great. We, we gave Conklin. We were pumping. Who had two touchdowns? Uh, we had some good pickups there. People. One guy had a trade where he could. Uh, was able to get Mahomes for Burrow and like Dawson Knox, and we made him go on that so uh daigle's just uh what a good guy man uh yeah, we awesome. fun. he's got a little radio experience so he was doing like the crack rock daigle hour <laughs> and, and and using the time he's like it's 9 30 and it's time <laughs> i feel i mean daigle can drink you under a table too i feel like you guys should uh you guys should get together for a, a power hour Oh, absolutely. I would love to. But he was, an, where is he? Because he was an hour away. So he's, it's, I mean, our time difference. So He's a transient nomad. It's, it's hard to <laughs> no, know. He's, where he's at Silva's house. He's been at yeah, Silva's right. house for a while now. He hunkers down during the season. Once the off season, he hits the road. He throws his little knapsack over his shoulder and he starts heading out. Yeah, he puts a <laughs> corn cob pipe in his mouth <laughs> and, and, just, and just hacks around. But no, Mike, I have... Uh, right now I'm in 75% of my teams are, are in playoff, uh, contention, uh, 30% are in championship, uh, contention. So I'm having a good year. I'm having a really good year. This team is just. A Cooper cup away from being incredible. Oh, It is brutal. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it, Can you imagine it, how good this team would be with Cooper Cup? It, it, it's, it's, it wouldn't be it, fair. It's it really scary how good this team. It, it's just unbelievable how that one. And this is just shows you how fragile the draft can be. How just one pick. And you guys were mentioning this earlier. How uh, you know this year has been like you just had to pick the right guy. And, and nothing is a more perfect example of that than, than yeah. us or me. <laughs> yeah, there was no us in that Robert Woods. Yeah, thing. yeah. No, that, that was I beat like, it. no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> crack, crack. I got to give you credit for willing to come on here and get these jokes every week. Like, if I was the guy that touted Robert Woods over Cooper Cup and it was on record, I, you guys would never have heard from me for about a year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, look, it's, uh, you know, as I said, I cannot tell a lie. I, I cut down the uh, the Bobby Trees. Uh, I cut down Bobby Trees. I'm George Washington. 
I always tell the truth. That's one thing I believe in. There's nothing to hide. And if you don't own up to your mistakes, then you're just, you know, you're just not a man. And I can man up and say, oh, I did want to take Fournette. And All he- right. You got to have it both ways here. Okay. Yeah, Thank you, you, Henry. Thank you, Henry. I, I did. Uh, I also did want Gronk, uh, but he did get hurt. But, uh, you know, look, oh, there's no if ands or, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. The bottom line is this team has three players that are 500K players. So when you have Allen, Diggs, and Tyreek Hill, they themselves uh, can carry you during our playoffs. So we just got to sneak in man, and, and get into that championship round because there's something wrong with Mike Williams. I mean, I, him dropping that ball on uh, the, I guess he was on the two yard line. It was right in his hands. Uh, yeah. So I was he, just going to ask you about that because Mike Williams is this guy that it's been like a tale of two seasons, you know, through four or five weeks where we like, Holy shit, this guy's a league winner. Like, where you where are you guys at on him right now? Like, is it somewhere in the middle of what we've seen? Can he get back to those heights? Like, what's going on with him? Yeah, he also he had that drop that could have been a TD. He also went out of bounds, I think, at the one. No, I'm thinking of Michael Gallup going out at the one. But I know he either got, maybe maybe Williams got tackled at the one. He made it to the one before uh, Larry Roundtree's one yard touchdown this week. Had a third red zone target. Still getting that that red zone work. I think the biggest thing is just the – I mean, I've talked about this in Stealing Signals a little bit. The the quarterbacks who are not throwing downfield as much, the two deep shells, it's not just Kansas City. It's not just Buffalo. It's permeating a lot of different teams. Uh, Herbert has not been as vertical lately, and I've seen some conversation that it's an issue with the, with the offense. They're not having him push it down the field or whatever, but they haven't had as many opportunities. He had a, a chance – uh, deep to Williams a couple of weeks ago, the one where he rolled right and kind of threw it back left. It was yes. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Op- yeah. I mean, but we're yeah. just not getting as much vertical passing, like literally around the league and, and Herbert's not been immune to it. So a lot of targets have shifted to Keenan Allen. That's the way I'm reading it. Yeah. But it's, yeah. hasn't his ADOT increased as well, which is, you know, one of the things that we were excited when his ADOT fell, because he had been this traditionally, uh, you know, deep threat only guy. And his ADOTs, I believe, back up. I'm trying to pull it up, which is why my video keeps did, freezing. Did, did waivers run? They did. Did we just lose? Fucking crack rock dropped off. We did, and Pat's. Uh... <laughs> Pat's. I'm still okay. here. I'm still here. Okay. To to to. I don't have the re- receiving ADOT right now, but Herbert's pass ADOT has been under six both the last two weeks. It was not under six for the first seven games of the year. Uh, so it's yeah, it's two lowest ADOTs these last couple of weeks. Well, Gretch, what's your take? Because there there was this narrative early on that he was in, you know, like the, the Michael Thomas role in this offense. He was getting used in all areas of the field. It looked like he had flipped Keenan Allen. Did that just get reversed? Did something happen? Was that small, you know, uh, small sample size variance? Like it does seem weird. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually had not looked at their weekly ADOTs. I don't look at Eight on a lot on the weekly level, so that's something I missed. And Pat um, pointing out, I just pulled it up. I mean, yeah, he was 9.8, 8.6, 9.2. The league average receivers ran around 11, so he was, like, below league average, getting some, like, short yardage targets. And then he goes up to 17.8, 14.4, yeah. 15.6, 11.6, 12.8. Last week he was – this says 1.7. 
Um, that seems wrong, but um, <laughs> the rest of those for a, a stretch were, you know, all above average and clearly higher than those first three weeks. So that's something I had not noticed. Have you? Yeah, when you go up to like, well, I, I don't think it's good. I like, I think yeah. the when you have a guy that's like at nine, you know, that's the Michael Thomas role, right? Um, you might see like uh, like a Devonte Adams around that range, um, but when you're up at like you know, 14, 15, like that's Devonta Smith. Uh, you can be in between, you know, Tyree Kill this year. We're thinking like, oh, Tyree Kill seeing a lot more shallow targets. I believe he's right around 11.5. So when you see that giant shift of Mike Williams and it's going back to something that we were used to seeing him in before, I, I don't know. I mean, and it's not just for like one or two weeks. It's It's been a huge long stretch here now. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely concerning. Yeah, he got hurt. He got hurt. He's playing through an injury. There's no doubt that Mike Williams was hurt that one time. Uh, you know, he was killing it and, and then he got hurt. But hopefully, you know, as time goes by, he's going to uh, he, he's going to come on because as far as quarterbacks go, uh, I, I mean, he has one of the best uh, going there. So that's that's what, you know, keeps me going is because Herbert is just so good. Uh, and just defenses are, are, are kind of catching up to him, but he should be fine. If we could just get Javante to get more carries, I mean, that's just the key. Yeah. I mean, do you think that fumble is going to help us uh, get some more like a 70-30 split versus the 50-50 Gordon split? I mean, he's so much better than Gordon, uh that that touchdown that got called back just made me just I was tilting on that. But uh, you know, is he someone you could see you know doing more of a 70-30 split as the season goes on? I mean, maybe we know there's yeah. the sort of the post by rookie bump, but um, the Williams played a season high snap share in this game this past week. One one thing I wrote about in signals was that a lot of it was just late in in pass heavy situations. Uh, he ran a lot more routes than he typically has as well, but he didn't get a lot more touches because they weren't like, you know, dumping it off to him. They, they both wound up with 10 touches, you know, Williams and Gordon. So I wrote that like that particular game to me wasn't really, you know, evidence of a turning of the tide. He was just sort of playing in a blowout, but you know, the young guy and the, the veteran was taken out of the game. But after the bye though, they, they, they could actually make a shift, you know? Yeah, and, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm just hoping for like, well, they're not, you know, they're not like fighting for a spot, and, and that kind of makes me want to uh, think that they're going to give them more carries. The the other thing is just we need the the Allen Diggs combo to start heating. You know, obviously it hasn't been the the, the killer uh, that it was last year, but I, I feel like it's starting to pick up. Like when they got embarrassed by the Jags, that nine, six game, I think they got a tongue lashing and obviously they were playing the jets, but, uh, I think they're on the way up. And I think Mahomes also, and then that goes to Tyreek Hill is on the way up. Cause he even missed, Hill on like an 80 yard touchdown in that game. He should he should have had a, a third touchdown where he was wide open and and Mahomes just missed him. So I think Mahomes is going to get even better. And if we can just get some sort of RB, uh, you know, 
just, you know, that 10, 15 points a week, you know, then our team could really uh, come playoff time could really shine. So we got a real chance. And then the only other wild card we have is, is, is Ronald Jones. Uh, if, you know, he's obviously just been, uh, I've never seen anyone just get completely just phased out of the, the game. So we would need an injury. Well, there. since Robert Woods, we haven't seen anyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, and you know what, Robert Woods was just coming on too. Um, it, it, that that was a shame, but uh, I I still think Cup he, he defenses are going to key on him, and he was coming down, and and they they were they didn't look as good without him, and uh, I don't you know don't, that, that Notre Dame rookie came in, tried to fill his shoes, Van Jefferson came in, tried to fill his shoes. They, they're not the same, and uh, it seemed like the Rams uh, really don't look as good as they did. I mean, I don't know any teams that really look good. Uh, except for me, it, it's the Bills. Uh, I think the Bills are coming on. And, th- and we have Zach Moss there. So if we get Zach Moss somehow more involved in, in the passing game, because when I saw Breed out there, I was like, oh. Yeah, I was tilting. Oh. So tilting. Was, uh, what, what, we didn't talk about that um, uh, in the, the pre-waiver lock stuff, but – what is your guys' read on, you know, Breida? I know he wasn't playing a ton of snaps and stuff, and, and Zach Moss was limited in practice, but how are you guys interpreting kind of the Bills' backfield after last week? Garbage. It's so thin. Yeah, it's just they, they literally don't – I mean, just look at the, the difference between San Francisco, how they run the ball, and what the Bills do. I mean, the Bills the basically – their running game is non-existent. I mean, their running game is really Josh Allen. Uh, so uh, when you have Singletary and now you add Brita in there, it just makes it even uglier. Uh, but the good thing about Zach Moss is it does seem like he, he does come in on the goal line situations. So that gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, but then again, you know, well, the good thing for us is if on the goal line we have Zach, if we have Zach Moss and we have Josh Allen, it's a guaranteed touchdown. So the more they score, uh, it's basically just going to feed into our team. Um, I have breaking news. Um, the team where I released the Deontay Foreman bid, we did secure the Deontay Foreman bag. So Pat, oh, all right, giant exhale for Huge you. Sigh of relief. Which you guys will see around. He's been refreshing that for the last twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, this is this is our team with Paul. It's a pretty damn fun team, and it's actually kind of similar to our Crack Rock team. Not yeah. as good at quarterback, um, but just Positive, absolutely yeah. loaded at wide receiver, AJ. and oh, then yeah. Oh, yeah. tight end, and oh, then we also yeah, have That's a sweet team. Uh, Jones. The other good thing about Foreman is I saw that uh, uh, McNichols had a concussion. Oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, if he's I missed there. that. Yeah, so that just hit. That was uh, I just saw that come over. So if McNichols is out uh, with that concussion, that again that gives him even more PPR. Uh, so yeah. that could be huge. Uh, 
because we know no one throws, you know, they don't throw the AP unless it's just a, a weird thing. So he could really take over that entire backfield and get like, you know, 70, 80% of the carries. So Foreman would be huge. Uh, and he was free for a while. I got I got some Foreman, uh, but uh, obviously he was mostly gone at this point. So uh, with McNichols out, uh, Foreman could be a stud for you there to plug in there. That team does look good. Obviously, you don't have Josh Allen, but the Mark Andrews kind of makes up for that uh, versus versus our team. Where uh, Fan Fan uh, actually started to come on, so I, I'm pumped about uh, Fan getting those carries. And if, if Denver, you know, we, we do have the, the Fant, uh, uh, Javante combo. So if, if Teddy can get his head on straight, because he looks so bad, uh, this weekend, I I've never seen a quarterback just miss even in the end of the game, he had Tim Patrick wide open in the end zone and he completely overthrew him, uh, I guess we didn't get anyone. We had a just, just wait till you see Drew Lock crack rock. He, he misses guys even worse. It's amazing. <laughs> we well, got we got Cam in a San Francisco defense, and uh, looks like Kenny Gainwell uh, for a buck on this team. Oh, I, I did okay. want to say on on Javante Williams, like there there's been no signs that they're going to move to him more. In fact, like if there's been any movement, it's actually been towards Gordon. But he has been so good. That, like it is hard for me to believe, especially coming out of the bye, that we won't see some kind of change. Maybe the fumbles. Like I, I've seen some reaction. Like why would why would they make a big move off of just one fumble? But it's like they just need some kind of excuse to play Williams more, who they drafted highly, and he leads he leads the league in breakaway percentage, tied with Jonathan Taylor for number one overall breakaway percentage, and he's behind Nick Chubb for second in the lucid rating, and he broke PFF's record. he's the highest in the PFF database in career elusive rating. So the thing we thought he was going to be amazing at has translated immediately. Like this is a huge, huge bull signal for how good this guy is. Sean said on bananas the other day that he's the best running back in this class. He's better than Najee. He, Oh, he is. He's a, (laughs) he's a, he's a better running back. Now, I mean, fantasy wise, like, but Najee, Najee has left more points on the field, fantasy points over expected per PFF than any, running back in the league he's he's the lowest in in uh negative fantasy points are expected per game that's not to say he's bad he's not you know but i he's not showing exceptional special qualities other than an ability to handle a huge workload and he's got good burst and he's you know he he gets what's blocked he's he's pretty solid but javante williams might be like a superstar like that's the that's what he's flashing Oh, from the eye test, when you see when you see Javante run, I, I mean, uh, I'm a boomer. He reminds me of Earl Campbell. Uh, <laughs> he's, just, he's just so powerful, and obviously, no one knows who Earl Campbell is. But he, Never Earl heard Campbell, him. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he he has that explosiveness. Did he? And, did, was Earl Campbell like a leather helmet guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a leather helmet guy. He goes back with that George. That was uh, that George Clooney film. Uh, the, Leathernecks, but uh, he can turn the corner and go up the middle. So I mean, how many how many running backs have that capability? And his buddy in North Carolina, Michael Carter, uh, is is outscoring him. That just blows me away uh, that Michael Carter is now coming on, and it's all because 
of, you know, the amazing PPR ability he gets, and he's getting the goal line carries. And the, when those goal line carries go to Gordon, it just, it just yeah, it's brutal. It, it's brutal. It, it's brutal. But I, I think maybe we can, as the season goes on and the Broncos just finally just say, look, we got to just give him 20 carries a game and just yeah. let Melvin go out to pasture. And if somehow we can get Zach Moss getting five catches a game, uh, uh, you know, we, we have basically three Bills uh, on our squad. And if the Bills just start scoring 30, 40 uh, a pop down the stretch, that's how we win. Uh, so, uh, you know, and then we have two, and then we need Fant really to come on. We, we do need we do need Fant in, in a big way. Uh, I don't know if Albert O got hurt. Uh, I don't know what, what happened there to see him on the field, but I don't know why Fant isn't getting – well, it's Teddy Bridgewater, of course. but um, Fant's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. Fant's going to be fine. And that really just – if we get – when we get into the playoff mode and, and get Javante Moss and have Allen in there with Lockett, Williams, Diggs, and Tyreek, I mean, that's all you can ask for. And that that's that's legit with Fant in there. Because it's Diggs, it's Diggs and Hill and, and Josh Allen that are going to make or break us, obviously. And if Lockett can, uh, I don't know what Russell Wilson was doing. I mean, he was <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That, that was bad, but he, he should get better. But the only problem is the the, the Seahawks are so bad, uh, and, and they're not in the playoffs. And then if, if Mike Williams gets healthy, so. We're there. We're not looking as good as we were last year because we had Eckler and, and Derrick Henry. So this was a different look, but we, we just got to make the playoffs, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I was going to say everything you guys were saying about Javante, uh, to circle back to Brita, uh, Sean and I were talking a little bit. Like I, I, I felt like watching that game that he brought something that neither Moss or Singletary has really brought for several weeks, which is just like an explosiveness. And he only yeah. played eight snaps, like Pete said. He got six touches. He scores two touchdowns. He racks up 50 yards. It's not a huge role or anything. But I I, I think similar to what we're saying about Javante, when you, when coaches see something like that, you're hoping that they realize to get the guy more He also had three play. targets, though. And yeah. that's – it's like he can't – like, you know, Ben, like, I, I don't – have you have you looked at, like, the high-value touches for the teams? Have you – Dug into that this year? Yeah. Because every, of, every edition of Stealing Signals. Okay. The, um, team, the team have I touched stuff, yeah. The, yeah. So, the I mean, they've got to be like the lowest for the running backs in, in the league, right? Yeah. Let me pull it up. Uh, they are. Yeah. Just the, the fact they're that. Actually, they're closer to middle of the pack. They're not that low. Yeah. But, the yeah, fact they're that. below average. Slightly below average. We can't have Matt Breida come in here and slicing off a big chunk of the high value touches. Yeah, exactly. That took the words out of my mouth. It's just the fact that Breida just came out of nowhere and just showed up and got two touchdowns. It's just, yep. it's just, just not good. No, no not good. it's, it's, it's yeah. not good. Uh, the the only other thing is we can get lucky during the playoffs and maybe the other teams don't have any fab left and we can. Um, luck out in some, you know, Damian Williams, uh, Kareem Hunt of the past and, and get something there. But <clears throat> again, it, it's it having three of the top basically best players in the league on your team helps. You know, the Tyree Kill, Diggs, and Allen is going to make us. I really think, I really think the Bills uh, 
are, are, are coming on and, and you know, they're just going to keep chucking it and digs busted out. Uh, Cole Beasley's hurt. Yeah. He's got some rib, he's got some rib injuries and, and that just makes uh, him or, or Allen look to, to digs even more. So we can get that, that those targets up to above 10 every game. And, and that'll, you know, we'll be the Bills. And with Moss sneaking in there, if, uh, uh, you know, Breida doesn't get too many of the carries, maybe they can they can uh, phase out Singletary, who's been, uh, who's been awful. But, uh, again, we, we have players on really good teams and high-scoring teams, and, and that's, that's the biggest key because uh, at this point, uh, it, it's so important to have people on good teams. I mean, DeAndre Swift is the perfect example of uh, – Put DeAndre Swift on the Chiefs and just think about what he would do. You know the- who the Chiefs could have had? They could have had Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, they could have. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my they, god! Oh, is it, wait? They took Ch over JT. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Took him over everybody. <laughs> it took him a couple picks over Swift because Swift was like what the second pick of the of the second round, but like ten picks ahead of. Taylor went like tenth pick of the second round. I'm I'm totally doing that off memory, but somewhere in yeah. that range. Yeah, Ceh has been the the biggest disappointment. It, it's, it, I mean, Daryl Williams looked unreal, uh, uh, and he showed off what uh, you know if, if you can catch the ball out of the backfield, uh, uh, how good he can be, and he just doesn't do that. It's just so it's mind boggling. Well, that's the thing with Ceh, right? Is he's a part of this Joe Brady system where they're throwing to the running back a ton, but his yards per route run actually wasn't very high in college, and then yeah. he comes in and his yards per route run sucks this year. It's like zero point seven three or something off the top of my head. It's bad. And, and if you, you look Darryl at Darrell Williams, Williams, Moss and dudes out there, yeah, he's <laughs> he's like pretty solid. So, I mean, honestly. It's starting to look like CH is kind of a Josh Jacobs type, where he was like a receiving guy in college, but now he's going to be kind of a two-down guy in the pros. But he's not even as good of a runner as Josh Jacobs. That's no, true. He's not. He's not as good a runner, and, and that's what amazes me. He's just, he's just not that good. Uh, yeah, he's just not that's that good. kind of what we're getting at. You know, he just, you know, the the eye test is all you really need. And when you think about it, I mean, when you see Javante run. And I'm just going back there. There is no one in the league that you just feel like, damn, I don't want to tackle that. You know, yeah. besides Derrick Henry, he's just just seems like that type of guy. Yeah. See, he's the guy. Everyone says Swift is the guy they should have taken. He would fit their system better, all this stuff. Like, they don't actually throw to the running backs that much. Like, I don't – I think Swift would have been doing a lot better than CEH, but I don't think he would have, like, a million targets like he has in Detroit if he was in KC – I think Taylor's the guy that they clearly should have taken. He was the better. Taylor's. I mean, he yeah. was the top prospect to me. But also, you think about, like, KC, they face all these teams dropping into these deep zones. You give Taylor a light box? Like, the You're ability done. to switch up being it's a girly. vertical passing Game over. Yeah, it would be girly. And when you have like, – the thing is, it's not that you want someone who can actually, like, fit your system perfectly. I mean, it's kind of like A.J. Dillon. I think people – some people are kind of concerned, like, oh, how's he going to fit in? Are they going to be, like, this ground-and-pound team? If you can do both, like you can basically have yeah. Derrick Henry and be an Aaron Rodgers passing offense yeah. and switch within different drives whenever you want. That's fucking, that's an incredible asset, right? Like the defense can't play anything. You're screwed. I, I remember we were close to Dylan. I don't know if we have our draft board up, but I remember he was real close. I think we got sniped on him because 
he would have been someone that would have just. God, I wish we had him on this. Dylan's team. good, dude. Dylan looks so good. Like, oh, good. so good, man. His, his love... feet along the sidelines, his balance, like, yeah, <laughs> he's good. He's really a, good. I have a friend who, <laughs> who was uh, was a, a huge BC fan, and uh, oh wow, this is uh, bringing back some memories here. So we we could have taken uh, we would have had to take AJ Dillon over Fuller. Mm, we should have done that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we only had four receivers. There was no way. There was no way. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Oh, that's going back the other way. Yeah. Um, I was so thinking we, maybe around where we took Rojo, Dylan was there. But see, this is what happened. Dylan, he got you know, pushed God. up. We're all he looking for the up. guys who did this. How the hell did he get pushed up? This yeah, time? I know, right. <laughs> Well, he got yeah. He wanted the eighth, and then where was where was Fournette? Oh, you Fournette. see, Fournette, Fournette, Fournette did go after Ronald Jones in our draft. He did go after. Yeah, that yeah. was and he was turn. We went tight end, tight end. But you must have mm-hmm. wanted Fournette there at eleven, eleven, huh? Oh, I remember because I Seems remember. Like a pick I said, let's take Fournette and Jones, and you're like, no, 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 we can't have both those fuckers. And I was like, let's just lock up the backfield. Uh, Sounds like a boomer thing to do. It was a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of this question from from Andrew? And I, I noticed Sean in our uh, chasing stolen bananas league had a bid on uh, Fuller. What, what do you guys think about Fuller's prospects rest of the season? I did some uh, Twitter searching, and all I found were memes of of really ridiculous looking hands that people are, are just so upset with Fuller not being back from a hand injury yet. I have no, I've not found any actual information on when we could expect him. Back. It is the so, biggest mystery. I have no idea. I've never seen a guy just have a hand injury and just every week he just doesn't show up. And, and if anyone needs a, a wide receiver, it, it's the Dolphins. Uh, so, damn I, it. I, I actually talked to Sean a little bit after recording Bananas yesterday about Fuller, and he's always been the huge Fuller guy. So, I'll give you the direct. Sean take, which was that uh, it was it was kind of a funny little conspiracy theory take where he was just like some something about like you know you know Fuller's just sitting back there like screw this like they brought out Jacoby Brissett I'm gonna lay low until they get Tua back in and then I'm gonna come back I'm on a one year deal didn't really work out got hurt whatever uh, and smash in the last four games and then go hit the free agent market again like he is on a one year deal like. I think Sean was, you know, he was kind of kidding. He was kind of laughing as he said it. But would it be that surprising? I mean, Fuller's good. Like, would it be that surprising if he had a big final month because he knows he's a free agent here coming up? Is he saying Fuller's got the buy low machine up and he's just uh, looking at the Miami schedule, figuring out when to, yes, when to come exactly. back? Yeah, exactly. When to come back and smash so that he could get big money because <laughs> free agency didn't go as well Buying last low year on himself. Yeah. yeah, well, they yeah. said he's not playing this week. So, uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's just it, yeah. it, it, it's it's bizarre i, I mean I, I don't know what's wrong with the guy and they, they need they need him in a big way he has so he, eight targets this year and four catches i feel like he played more than that so he has eight targets all season he's been on all my rosters <laughs> you know, i want to get your take on this and the worst is you can't you're still holding on to Taysom hill there interesting yeah, so this is this is our team with Sean, the, and we did get Fuller in this, and this is another team that's a, a, you know a bit of a sleeping you know giant here. If we get Saquon 
coming back. We, you know, we have the DeAndre Saquon. We have Kyler if he gets healthy. You got Diggs, Chase combo. We have, you know, the nut kicker defense combo. Like th- this team can be a monster here. DJ Moore, I almost put in over Ramondre. And then I saw you guys' emails. We're thinking about playing Ramondre over DJ Moore. No. So the question to me, the conversation around Ramondre has to do with Saquon, right? If, okay. if, if we think Saquon's good, I think we definitely play DJ more over Ramondre. If we're worried about Saquon not suiting up, then then we get in really dicey territory because if we don't play Ramondre tomorrow and Saquon doesn't go, now we're playing, you know, Devonta Freeman or Singletary. Yeah. Oh, you, uh, you got to put DJ Moore in. Come on. I, think- <laughs> I mean, roll the dice, man. You know, grab. I'll do it for you. I mean, I don't understand that. Damian Harris is at a concussion protocol. He's playing. Yeah, no. So the issue isn't, again, with Ramondre. It's how do we feel oh, about Saquon? Oh, 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 right. Sa- no, Saquon's coming. He's playing. He's he's back. There we go. I heard it from the horse's mouth. All right. Yeah, it looked no, like he – it looked the king like he of New York. Full practice What's in his skyline? You think this guy doesn't have a direct line into the New York Giants front office? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a line into the Giants. I do have a line into the Giants. Uh, Bruce Beck is the local NBC reporter here in New York. He's, he's, <laughs> he's been around forever, and he's a good friend of mine. And uh, he had Joe Judge on his uh, NBC, does like after the, the late night news, uh, he does a sports recap in New York. And he had Joe Judge on, and Joe Judge basically said uh, – after the break, especially because Booker's hurt, uh, that Saquon's back, uh, that the ankle's good, and, and that he's going to play. So uh, that team, that team is nice, dude. Uh, especially Saquon is coming back. The ankle, is, the swelling's down. He's been he's been working on it. He's been at practice. So that team is really good uh, because Waddle has been someone who's who's really been impressive, but just flying under the radar. So that, that team, I like a lot. So you, you've got to roll the dice and, and play Saquon. I'll, I'll reach out. Uh, when's that game? Uh, the game's tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to Bruce and, uh, <laughs> and just see if he has any insight. And, and then I have uh, a friend in the, in the GM office who, who I can contact on uh, <laughs> Uh, on Saquon, but everything I'm reading here from the New York standpoint is that Saquon is back, and uh, Joe Judge is um, uh, even said it, uh, and that was and that was Sunday. So uh, everything I'm reading is is positive on that. And then with Damian Harrison back, I don't think how, I don't know how you could play uh, Stevenson there uh, and put DJ Moore on the bench. Well, but it's I just think- that. If we don't get well, Barkley, then what do we do? Well, what are, who were your other running backs there? Did you have anything that looked? Yeah, uh, well, we have we have Freeman, uh, who I think is fine. And... Oh yeah, yeah. So Freeman versus Freeman and DJ Moore versus Stevenson and uh, Saquon. Is that the trade off right there? Well, Saquon yeah. and DJ Moore would be the ideal, I think. Right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, we want to play Ramondre too. Like he's it's great. Ramondre and what? Well, because we could always play oh. Ramondre and Moore. So well, you have you have Singletary there as well. Is Murray going to be back this week? Oh, you have Mac Jones. Okay. 
Because yeah, I, but he plays. Yeah. Did, did, is there a word on Murray? Is he? It, a, Murray was at practice today. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Murray. I, Murray. I, I just moved good. my mouse to click on that. I <laughs> got a full practice in too. Oh, yeah. pretty close. Pretty close. All right. That that's still because they've been they've been doing this game time decision thing, and I, don't I think know, he'll be know, questionable they, they, and and go. I, I he's he's because he didn't come back to practice until Friday of last week, and then he practiced. He was DNP Wednesday and Thursday. He practiced today. I don't. I didn't see if it was limited or full. But I think that's already a great sign. Oh, you're five and five. We have the most points in the league. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable how you can have the most points to be five and five. Uh, yeah. Victor, look at the look at the entire league is fucking five and five. It, <laughs> it's yeah. just like. Yeah, and meanwhile, there's a guy with less points. He's ten and zero. Laces out. Uh, I mean, it's just that's why I like victory points. I mean, victory points. I, I do have. Uh, 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 one league with victory points and victory points. I don't know if you ever play victory points in FFPC, but it basically uh, you get two points for a win. But if, if you're in the top six scoring, you get an extra point. So you can get three points. And that basically saves you from if you do lose, but you did have a high scoring team, you can still get a point. And, and that basically evens things out in all the high stakes, the five K's and the 10 K's they use victory points and it's a it's a great scoring. It, it is a great scoring. Uh, but that that team is is pretty sick. Uh, so we're you guys got some? Are all your mains uh, getting into the playoffs? No, no, oh. no. We have we have like probably five teams that are locked and loaded for the playoffs, and then we have another you know three or so that are are surging. Um, and could really do noise, and then we probably have six that are dead. I would say is probably. I think that's. And, and how many smaller of the three fifties did you guys do? We we, we basically eradicated that. We we're in one. Uh, this oh, year you we need, oh, you oh, you just like yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're a couple. Like, all the man. I'm so glad we did that too. We're in like, a couple. So much we're in two. Pencil. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah, we're in two. Yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, just from a time consuming. Yeah, yeah, you guys are too big time for those. No, it's it's not even it's not that we're too big time. Like we love fucking drafting. Like we we will draft yeah, we would you know, totally do every it. night of the week. It's just when you have to pay the piper on waivers and you know, thankfully, uh we got Serum in the Discord taking the lead on our mailman uh FFPC draft. We have our quad managed bros over at Rotoviz taking the lead on that one, but it's just it's a lot. It's a lot. Even with our kind of co-manager program and doing a lot, like going through those, I mean, it, it fucking, t- it takes like an hour and a half for me to like go through all the teams and check it against ranks. And that's just for like 15 teams. Like it, it, it is yeah. nuts. Yeah, it's a lot. You don't, you're preaching to like, well, I know, I know you guys uh, do way but, more than I do. Uh, the, 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 that that's why I think if if you if you made it and you did do thirty rounds, imagine drafted that you just do thirty rounds and then just every player is, that, that's available is basically drafted. You, the waivers don't have to exist anymore. Uh, the question is whether people would stick around for rounds twenty through thirty. Uh, but I also think there is something fun about finding these guys who are emerging, and you get you know you can watch the games 
get more information and you're still competing against your opponents as the season is actually going on. Like the idea of waivers in some form, I think is, is really good. Like I don't, I like this more than best ball, even though it's at times I wish I just drafted best ball teams, but like ultimately I like this style more than a really deep best ball format. But at the same time, like it's, it's such a grind at times. No, it is, but it, it shows you because look, cocktails and dreams is uh, you know he's he's on the top of every single board you'll you'll see, uh, and that's because he grinds waivers. I mean, it's his full time job. He doesn't have a job. This is his job, and uh, that's the only way you can actually do it is to to make it your job. And that's why I you know I basically hired a guy to do it because there's no physical <laughs> way to do it. And uh, you know, shout out I, to Timo. Uh, yeah. He's doing a great job. He is awesome. doing a great job. And, and, you know, it just shows you because it's like when we did the, the Ernest Johnson uh, the week before, you know, for a dollar and, and then we got like 13 of them and then we played them. Uh, and, and it's just the amount of money you save for that, that dollar, you know, you basically made like, three thousand dollars in fab and it's true because if i didn't have team that's why i'm right now cashing in roughly 75 percent of my leagues uh and i have a hundred so uh you know obviously my draft is good but it, again it's 50 percent draft it's 50 percent waivers don't let anyone tell you uh, otherwise that, that that it's not because just look at our team I mean, if we go to our draft, how many players are still left uh, from our draft? Probably half. Uh, and that's the way it usually works. And uh, But just going back to your point again on, on uh, you know, the zero RB, uh, it, it does make a, a, a lot of sense. And there, you guys are right. But you don't have to force it and, and do the – you know, we got lucky with Hill Diggs, uh, you know, yeah. but the times where – you know, if like in the year before, you know, Henry fell to us because Donkey Boy took Julio Jones. So that's when you got to you got to pounce on that. And, and then Eckler came into the second round and we had to pounce on that, even though we had some some juicy, uh, you know, wide receivers there. And then we just did it right. We just went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And then we cranked the purple at the end. So. Uh, and cranking purple at the end, I mean, this this year is a perfect example of why you do it and not reach for those. Because Mark Andrews and, and Kels are really, you know, Waller's been no good. Uh, so, yeah, go, going that those tight ends early uh, hasn't paid off. Whereas if you went late on tight ends and did the, the cranking purple, it worked out. So it, it's still, I mean, in this dynamic I think will play out, you know, like in the underdog playoffs as well, where I, you know, we're, we're all frustrated with Waller, but like Waller could also still be the guy you need to take down one of yeah. these tournaments. Um, oh, oh yeah. And, and oh, that's absolutely. what's so, so weird about this stuff. Like he could kind of kill you like eight weeks out of 12 during the regular season and you sneak in and he fucking rips off three games of 25 yeah. plus points. And like, he's the dude. Like yeah, that, because that's what totally we're doing. Happen. We don't know who these guys are, but we're basically just trying to like sneak in these these league winners that are actually the league winners because they're the guys who pop in the playoffs. And then it's like, oh my god, I had one of them. And then right. in retrospect, we're gonna be like, 
Well, obviously, you just should have drafted Jamar Chase because he you know, scored a lot of points in the playoffs or whatever it is. Tyler Higby two years ago was that player. Uh, right. You know, uh, you know, Tyler Higby literally carried me to easily a couple championships, and that was the year that I finished third and fourth in, in two leagues, and it was all due to Higby. And, and, it, and that was a, a 13th-week pickup. So, yeah, those opportunities are still there. So – don't spend all your fab. Don't spend nine ninety five on Elijah Mitchell because uh, you, you're basically just killing yourself right there. I don't know. Elijah Mitchell's been one of the best waiver wire pickups of the year. Nine thirty five <laughs> would have been fine. Nine ninety five, you can't. Nine ninety five. Um, here's a good question. It uh, crack rock because I've already started to get a little excited. I I, we fucking one. love the FFPC playoff challenge around here. Uh, do you play it? I don't, but I'm I'm going to this year. Uh, I'm going to this year. Uh, Let's do one. Uh, For sure. I just, it's, I didn't do it because it's, it's really, it's hard. It's confusing. There's so much analytics when you only can draft one player from, so it, you know, I need the big brains uh, of you guys to help me on that because we'll bring you know, our big old galaxy. This, is, this we, is why we like it so much because the boomers say that it's hard. It's confusing. <laughs> we dude, last week, like we've now made I love it. You, a, man. I love we you have so a much. full programming week now that we did last year and I can't wait to run it back. Like it's I've literally so I've thought about it multiple times during the season. That week is so fucking I mean, I want to win. It's, it's DFS for the whole playoffs basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, and, and that's why I'm trying to get more into DFS because I actually played, uh, uh, I, I played a few because these last weeks, there's like nothing going on. So uh, I did, I'm starting to, to play a little DFS and I want to get into more into DFS because I really do. Uh, DFS is fun as shit. And, DFS is so fun. Yeah, what are you playing, so Crack Rock? Tell me, uh, what what contests are you playing? I'm well, that, that's why I, I went on a spaces with uh, I guess it was Ryan Hodge and uh, Barrett were on there talking about it, and I was just trying to pick their brain because I still don't understand this swapping out of the four o'clock. I mean, it's just like how the fuck can you change it. your line? I mean, what I'm like, what the fuck this is, is so going good. on? How can you cheat like that? How I you're mean, cheating, dude. It's like, wait a second. I put him on lineup, and now I can swap Crack out Rock. and put someone. On, on Monday Night Football, if you have a running back and a wide receiver, and you have a flex spot open, you can decide which one of them to put in from your lineup. It's the same thing. I know, I know. It's just, it, it's, um, it just makes my, it, it just makes my head hurt too much. You know, so that's why, that's why I tell, I me, tell me your lineup from this past week. What did you roll out? I, I rolled out. Let me, let me see. I, I went on FanDuel. Uh, Is it written down? Uh, it's not. I, I don't even. The, the ones. No, I went with. Uh, I went too much. James Conner was in everywhere, and he just yeah. basically, uh, you know that that was not was not the right uh, call. But uh, I, I do like DFS because it was like you, you got to find that 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 diamond in the rough that you know, is going to bust out. It's nice and cheap. And uh, I I love looking for that. And it's so easy, you know, as you said, with the chalk and uh, taking those guys. But when I see some of the Millie uh, winners, I'm like, damn, I could put that fucking lineup together. Uh, 
you know, I know it's easier said than done, but it is, it is, it is friggin' exciting. I want to get more into it. And uh, let's do, uh, let's, I will pay uh, for at least two FFPC playoffs uh, for all of us to do. And, and give you full. Uh, uh, I'm excited. Quarter. I'm excited. Yeah. And give you, you know, each uh, 25% each uh, as my treat. I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to get, uh, I was I was gonna say when when Pete brought it up I, I'm I'm hoping to get some big winnings from these other FFP contests like purely just to to roll back into the playoff the playoff I, I, I think model, we got to get a lot of teams <laughs> that's like the secret of of why we do the main event is just to to build our bankroll for the playoff for challenge, the playoff challenge. <laughs> you don't get paid before that though you don't you don't get uh, you don't get that money into your account before those playoffs we did we did on. last year yeah. Oh, you did? did? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I thought we did because yeah, we were we were fired pretty hard. We were fired. Oh, oh, wait, you're right. Because you, you, you have you the extra right. week. Oh, week right. right. And yeah, 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 yeah. No, I take that back because it is the extra week. You're right. Yeah, but that playoff challenge is is fun because uh, I remember I was in a league with uh, Austin Martin and he won the 500k. Uh, we got into a big feud again with fucking Hubbard. Uh, but uh, that was two years ago. And, and he, but he, it's the, the game theory behind it though is, is so intense. And I want to, I want to, you know, pick your brains for that more. So let, let's do a couple. Uh, uh, so again, Pat, uh, Pat is basically, if you've seen that, uh, that meme of, of Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny, where he's got all. Oh, the, I thought you were doing the numbers. Oh, one. No, yeah. He's got all the like the lines and everything. He's like, <laughs> if they beat them, then that means this matchup's going to play. <laughs> no, <laughs> last year, if, if the Rams upset the Seahawks, then Cam Akers was going to get the Packers <laughs> rushed. So Pat was super on to Cam Akers. Which yeah. is exactly what happened. It was huge for us. So, yeah, well, I'm I'm good at predicting who's going to get there. I mean, the teams that are going to get there. The, the, I'm bad on picking the players on on those particular teams. That's yeah, well, what it sounds like a match made in heaven because you got yeah. You got to pick the right teams to advance. That's the first thing you got to get the teams that are actually going to make it. That's like probably seventy five percent of it. Well, that's why I want to I want to combine again because we have that that boomer. Uh, you know, we we mesh well because uh, you know I kind of take you off your game. You know, when we did our draft a, cu- a couple times, but you like it yeah. because you're like I, I can't do the same thing every time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, and, sure. that's great. Yeah, and, and it works out. We get by that like you know boomer Melen, and it turns out to like this smooth cocktail, cross generational. So yeah. I think. Last year we did we did three shows during FFPC playoff week and I looked it up. So we had our Rotoviz brethren on and we did the we revealed the boomer opt or sorry, no, the first thing we did was a first look show with Davis and we looked at you know snap takes. Then on Wednesday we did the boomer opto reveal with Hassad and Blair, which is what was gonna be the most common lineups by the boomer populace on FFPC. And then Friday we did the final kind of wrap with Dink. And Leone. So I think we build in an extra night. I think we go four nights. I mean, we yes. might need to go five. Let's Let's Here's, the, five thing. Here's the best part. You get you get done week 17 this year, and yeah. then you have a week off. That's right? true. Yeah. And then it's FFBC it's playoff FFBC week. And I mean, I will do five night. shows. I will do five nights. I'm in. I'm in. We gotta get we gotta how about this? We get a crack rock night and then we get a, a Sean night with us oh, as yeah, well. Perfect. We go five nights. Love it. 
Love it. Uh, all the wall coverage, FFPC yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Absolute free ride for all you guys. Oh, man. Love it. Okay. Um, no deal unless you're tossing in espressos, blunts, and IPAs as well. <laughs> yeah, we can. It's a tradition we'll do, to give we'll real production live from, live from uh, the dispensary. Well, you know what we can do is next summer we can uh, we can Airbnb it up in, in the Berkshires and draft up there who are, uh, you know, go on the porch like, uh, you know, you guys were doing a Nantucket with Denny and throw that that disc around and, and get Denny to catch that frisbee oh, again. Up in the Berkshires, and we can physically stop you from your Robert Woods pick this year. We can actually actually stop. We can hold you back. (laughs) Right, you can stop me from physically fucking clicking that button before your trump card. People won't have to ask about your trump card. You'll be like, "Wait, all the back, all the back." Let's think about this. (laughs) Oh, all right, guys. This has been fun. We have. We have plans set for playoff weekend. Uh, excited to see some of our FFPC team surge here. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us um, all around. Make sure you're following Crack Rock on Twitter. You never know when you're going to get a random spaces from him. Uh, make sure you are following Pat. He drops the walkthrough on NBC Sports Edge every Friday. I'm actually going to have Pat on my gpp show on friday at noon eastern we're going to talk through uh how much pat has been crushing the small field gpps and also his insights on the week 11 slate ben gretch of course crushing it over with stealing signals he's pumping out podcasts with sean stealing big nanas make sure you guys are checking all of those out that is the deal hop in the discord join us we will make these playoff pushes it's going to be a nice finish here for ship chasing we will see you guys next week who knows what we will get up to then 